Amen. Thank you, Brother Steve. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the book of Galatians. And we've been working our way through uh, this letter uh, talking about grace and how important it is, and that's something we've talked about. Uh, and I mean, you know, we should never, ever get over grace and what grace has done in our life. And can I tell you that the more you realize uh, grace and what it's done in your life, the more amazing it becomes, It doesn't it? Uh, that God knows you, and he knows not only the good, but he knows the bad and the ugly parts of you, and yet he loves you anyway so much to say, I want him, I want her to be a part of my family. And what a wonderful thing it is to be a part uh, of God's family. Um, Les, I, you know, it's a wonder Leslie has hung out with me almost 19 years. It'll be 19 years in March. Uh, she's the sermon illustration a lot of times, and she grins and bears it, and I love her for it. But I'm going to tell you, this is a good illustration today. We met 20-some years ago, a long time ago. And when she saw me, her heart went, oh, a flutter. And, you know, it's like it was on those cartoons. The hearts peered around her eyes and above her head. And, oh, she, now it didn't happen that way. Uh, but, uh, you know, we dated. We uh, dated a few times. And, you know, we uh, had, you know, some adventures. And, and I asked her one day if she'd be my wife. She said, I wondered what was taking you so long. She said, maybe. Yeah, that's what I said. Now, she said, yeah, so you know what? So Leslie became a Baldridge. And she, I'm going to tell you right now, she brightened up and did a lot for my family tree. And her last night, she signs at Baldridge now school she's Mrs. Baldridge but can I tell you sometimes the Wally comes out of her she's still a Wally but she's also a Baldridge can I tell you she became a Baldridge because she chose she couldn't help but be a Wally because that's what she was born but she chose to be a Baldridge why I don't know but I'm glad that she did and I remind her all the time no refunds and no exchanges all sales are final. Uh, and so, uh, but because she made that choice. And I tell you that it is a choice that we make. That God extends everyone an offer of grace and salvation. But it's only by those making a choice to receive it. She could have said no and broke my heart. And man, she would have been miserable. You know, she would probably turn into an old miserly, you know, grouchy lady instead of the joyful person she is because she's got me. Uh, boy, I'm digging myself this morning, aren't I? But we all know how important choices are. And so just as Leslie made a choice to become part of my family, and I'm glad that she is, God desires for us to make a choice to be a part of his. And you see, Paul is going to tell us that God wants you to be part of his family. 
And there's only one thing you have to do to be part of the family. And it's not being good. It's not coming up with a big dowry. I'm thankful hell and my mother-in-law didn't say, well, if you want to marry my daughter, you've got to come up with some cash because I was a poor college student. I was in seminary uh, and was going to be a preacher. And you know, preachers don't make money. And she knew that too because her husband had answered the call to preach before he passed away. And she's active in a church down in Hattiesburg and uh, is the, the clerk for the church and helps uh, down there at fellowship. Um, but she, she didn't demand that. Uh, you know what she told me, though? She said, you'd be good to her. She said, I know that she loves you and you love her. And you know what? So God says that I want you to be a part of my family, and I want to extend grace to you. So let's take a look at Galatians chapter 3, uh, and we're going to read the first 14 verses, and then we'll skip down to the last two. It says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore, know that only those who are the faith are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of the faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which were written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not by faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become the curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then drop down in verse 26, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so Paul here wants us to remember and understand how important grace is and how wonderful it is to be a part of God's family. Remember he said last week in chapter 2, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And friends, we have to remind ourselves of that all the time 
And so then he gets to the point of him writing this letter. Was there were some within the church that were saying, listen, yeah, you're saved and you believed in Jesus, but now you've got to do something. You've got to follow the law and you've got to be circumcised because circumcision is what makes you right before God. And they were believing that. Is that what the gospel says? It's not. Now, by the way, circumcision was an outward sign uh, back in the Old Testament of the Jews that they were God's chosen people and that they, it was setting them apart from the rest of the world, reminding them that they were God's people and they were supposed to behave like it. Did, did it? It didn't. Far too often the people forgot it. And by the time of Jesus... There wasn't much different between the lives of the Jews and the lives of the Gentiles. And that's exactly the point that Paul is trying to make. And so he says, listen, I want to ask you something. Did you get saved by doing good stuff, by working for it? Or did you get saved by faith? So that's all I want to know. Because you see, if your salvation is based on works... It's not really salvation. And it can't change you. Because Paul reminds us, the law says, listen, cursed is the one who does not keep all that is written in the law. So it's not, you can't just say, well, I've never murdered anybody. You may not have broken that commandment, but you've broken some. And before God, say, if you've broken one law, you're, you're guilty. Just as much, no matter what that law is. The penalty was the same. The consequence was the same. So he says, you weren't saved by the law. The law, and he goes on through great effort and through great words, explaining that the only thing the law can do is show us we can't keep it. And that we need salvation. We need grace. And so he says, if you were saved by faith, why do you think then that you're kept by something else? So he reminds them of some important truths about being a part of the family of God and shows us how we're a part of the family of God. So the first thing that Paul wants to drive home to us is this, that grace saves us by faith. So understand the gospel, and we've talked about this several times, is simply this, that all of us, every single human being is a sinner. All of us have, have this disease and this curse called sin. And its final end is death. But the gift of God, and because of God's great love, he extended grace toward us, and that he sent his son Jesus Christ. And Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, and then laid that life down on the cross to pay my sin debt, and to pay your sin debt, and the sin debt of all the whosoevers, all the way back, even including Abraham. Abraham lived a lot of generations before Jesus came, but Jesus' blood paid for Abraham's sin too because Abraham had faith. He believed. And that's what made him right before God. Not that he did good stuff. We'll get back to that in just a minute. So understand this, 
that grace saves us, but grace also keeps us by faith. Now, there are things that we do differently as a child of God. If you're a Christian, if you're a part of God's family, there's things and behaviors that should not be a part of your life. And that there are behaviors that should be a part of your life. If you want to know what those are, talk about it. I'm more than interested and willing to sit down and have that conversation with you. But it's not about, and you see, if we make our Christian life about a bunch of do's and don'ts, we're doomed to fail before we even start. Because can I tell you that sometimes you can do pretty good. But several times, I dare say, throughout the day, you don't do so good. And you make bad choices. And you do the things that you know you're not supposed to do. Or you don't do the things that you know you're supposed to do. But here's the thing. We are not a child of God. We're not part of God's family by our behavior. We're part of the family of God by our choices, by our faith. Now, because Leslie's married to me and I'm married to her, there's things that she does. And there's things she doesn't do because of that. The same is true with our walk with Christ. If we're His, yeah, there's things we don't do. But that's not what makes us saved. Our choice to receive grace is what makes us right before God. And what keeps us right before God. You see, even when we make those bad choices, when we're walking by faith and living by faith and being kept by faith and grace, when we've done wrong, the Holy Spirit that comes and points at us and convicts us and nudges us says, listen, dumb dumb, you oughtn't have done that. You knew better. Said, you better repent. And so we go to God and we say, God, forgive me. You know, I've sinned, I've blown it. And the good news of the gospel is, uh, John records for us in 1 John 1, 9, you remember it says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. Does God desire for us not to sin? Yeah, he does. But he knows we're going to. And so, listen, there's times that we don't particularly act saved and when we don't that's an indicator we need to get back to the Lord and because of grace he will receive us he will never say oh I'm sorry you've used up your grace cards you're out of here you don't have any more left because your need for grace will never ever be beyond the scope and the amount of grace that God has. God will always have enough because he loves you. So we need to understand that salvation is by grace through faith, but also that we are kept by faith. And I tell you, there's days that you're going to 
I'm going to tell you something about your There's days I'm not particularly likable. I get grouchy sometimes, especially if I get up and I haven't had my Coca-Cola yet. You don't want to talk to me until I've had my Coca-Cola. Until I've woken up good. And when I'm sick, I'm not a very good patient. I'll admit that. And yet, especially this last listen, Leslie and ours, in sickness and in health battles, they've been put to the test over our 19 years. And you know what? She stuck with me and I've stuck with her wife because I love her. And she loves me. And so we make the choice every day. Say, you know what? I'm going to be kept. I'm going to stay Mrs. Baldridge. I'm going to stay Mr. I'm going to claim her. She's going to claim me. You have to make that choice every single day. And where I was going with that is on those sick days when I'm I'm not particularly likable and lovable. And so I'm sure Leslie, you know what? I just want to pack my stuff up and go home to my mother's house. But she doesn't. That's a choice. And I tell you, walking and serving the Lord is also a choice. There's days you maybe don't feel like serving the Lord. There's days and times when God asks you to do something you don't particularly want to do, like forgiving somebody that's hurt you and wronged you. I don't want to do that, God. Can I tell you that if you're a child of God, you're part of God's family, you don't have the choice. You've got to do it. And so you do, even when you don't want to. Say, all right, I'll do it, but I don't want to do it. So God saves us and keeps us by faith. But then secondly, Paul reminds us of an important truth, that God identifies us as family. Paul, in all these verses, man, he, he used a lot of words. Sometimes preachers do that too, don't we? You speak a lot of words, something that could be two or three words, and get the point across. Paul's point was this. When grace finds you, and you find grace, and you make the choice to accept that grace, you become a part of God's family. Now, Leslie did not do an adequate background check before she said yes. She had met my, my, my nice sweet mother and met my grandparents and my grandparents were the jewels of the earth. But I've got some parts of my family tree that I just soon chop those branches off. You all do too. But we don't chop them up. Why? Because they're part of the family. This is what God said. You know what? God says you're part of my family whether you like it or not. And whether you like that they're part of the family or not. You see, sometimes the Jews were not all that thrilled that there were Gentiles in their church. Can I tell you that the family of God welcomes Every one, every color, every socioeconomic background, anyone can receive God's grace, and I'm thankful for that. Now, that doesn't mean that God just overlooks sin and that we just, you know, 
hug a tree and think it's all going to just pan out in the end. We'll just hug it out. That's not what I'm saying. But that anyone, no matter what color skin they have, no matter what crazy beliefs they have, no matter what they've done in their life, no matter how much money they have, no matter what language they speak, no matter what address they have, no matter what car they drive or don't, maybe don't have a car at all, none of that matters. If a person receives grace by faith, they're part of God's family. They become part of Abraham's seed. And so Paul uses the, the illustration or the imagery Say, so listen, if you've been baptized in Christ, you've put on Christ. In other words, you've got this coat of Jesus hanging out that everybody around you can see that identifies you as God's child. And here's the thing. There's not different coats. And there's not different degrees of salvation. It's all the same coat because there's only one Christ. And so don't you dare think that you're more valuable or important or worth more in the kingdom of God. But don't you also think that you're less than anybody else in the kingdom of God. Because no matter how worthless you think you are, God thought you were worth enough that he came and died for you. So I'd say he thought you were pretty darn important. And pretty worthy. And pretty precious. You see this world and sin will say nothing. Listen, you're nothing but garbage. You're worthless. That's what Satan will try to remind you. But listen, God says, listen, you may have been trash before. But now you're redeemed trash. And when you're redeemed trash, you're not trash anymore. Because Paul says, uh, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. So the trash is done away with, and you are now a useful, beautiful piece of artwork. So Paul says, listen, there's not Greek or Jew, slave or free, male or... In other words, it's not saying that we're all just some kind of gelatinous mess. He's saying that all of us have the exact same standing before God, and all of us are a part of the family of God. So even those Looney Tunes, you know, at the church maybe next door or down the street are part of our family. Even those that we might have some disagreements with. And this is the thing about uh, families, including the family of, of God. I know in my family, there are a lot of we have different ideas about things. But you know what? We're still family. And somehow we can get a lot. We would understand, the world would be much better off if we would say, you know what? It's all right for us to believe differently. I still love you. And I'm going to still extend grace to you because God extends grace to me. And I tell you that no matter how good your theology and your things like that are, there's probably some things you've got wrong. And yet God extends grace to you. There's far too often in between churches and denominations and 
you know, this infighting, lines drawn. Listen, Satan wins when God's church is divided. And Satan wants to keep God's church divided. And let me tell you this, that there are more that we stand united on and agree on than our differences. Now, I'm not saying we disregard our differences. No, we hang firm to our difference, but understand that the gospel and grace is a whole lot bigger than our differences. How different the world would be if just Christians would extend grace to one another and love one another. So we'd say, like, there's some members of our family, listen, you're an idiot. You're a bonehead. But I'm going to take this family picture with you and I'm going to put my arm around you and I'm going to love you because even though you're an idiot, you're a part of my family. And I love you. Do you think the world would notice if God's people started behaving that way? I guarantee you they would. We're so busy trying to fight with one another that we forget that Satan has this world harnessed in this death trap of sin that only the grace of God can deliver them from. But God's people aren't delivering the message of grace, the gospel, because they're busy fighting themselves. So understand that grace identifies us as family. It saddens me, I hope it saddens you, that it's still true today what Martin Luther King Jr. said several decades ago, 11 o'clock is the most segregated hour in America, and it's probably the most segregated world, hour in all the world. It really shouldn't be that way. But it, it does tend to be that way, partly because we tend to associate and flock together with people that are like us. But can I tell you that the family of God is not divided by race, it's not divided by socioeconomic conditions. There's one family of God. And can I tell you that I don't, you know, somebody walks in here, they may be black, they may be Hispanic, they're different than any of us here this morning. As your pastor, I expect you to welcome them. I expect you to love them. I expect you to extend grace to them. Somebody walks in, they don't speak the first lick of English, don't you dare say, well, you, you learn English and then come back and let us tell you about Jesus. You extend grace to them even if you can't speak their language. You can still be kind. Sorry, that wasn't even part of my sermon. That's just a free rabbit. I think I caught the rabbit, though, so we'll get back on track. But understand this, that grace identifies us as a family of God, and we need to act like the family of God and behave like. But then lastly this morning, I want to remind us just briefly that grace sends us to follow. Grace sends us to follow. Follow what? Follow the example of Christ. Christ showed us the way. The thing that He said that's why he came. He said the only reason I've come is to show you knuckleheads the way to get to God. He said, for some reason, you ain't been able to figure it out, so God sent me here to point the way. That was Jesus' mission, was to point us 
to God. He did it by loving. He did it by extending grace. He also, by the way, did it by extending truth. Jesus didn't shy away from truth. He always spoke the truth in love. Sometimes that meant flipping over tables and beating people with what, you know, you know, and, and saying some harsh things to them. Sometimes it meant pointing out the hypocrisy in certain people's lives, pointing out that they weren't doing what they were expecting this other person to do. And so grace sends us to follow Jesus' example because we're part of his family. And because we're part of Abraham's seed, we do what Abraham did. Well, I want to take us back as we wrap up this morning. When we first meet Abraham back in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 12, you remember that, don't you? I encourage you maybe to this afternoon look that passage up, Genesis chapter 12, and read it again. We meet Abraham not as Abraham, but as Abram. And he lived in this land called Ur. And all Genesis tells us is that God spoke to this man, Abram. He said, Abram, I want you to take your wife and your children and your household, all that you have, and I want you to pack up. That's a pretty big ask for anybody. But then he added, I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to send you. He said, I'll show you, though. Paul reminds us what Abraham did. Abraham believed God. Listen, if you read Abraham's story in Genesis, starting in Genesis chapter 12 and going on, there's some good parts of Abraham's story. But I'm going to tell you something. There's some ugly parts of Abraham's story too because he was a knucklehead just as knuckleheaded as you are. As I am. And as hard-headed as we are. And there were times when he thought he knew better than God. Well, God had to say, no, you don't know better. But throughout Abraham's story, even when he failed, he always repented and he came back to God. And he gave God, in other words, he just believed God. How do we become a part of the family of God? Well, we believe. But that belief drives us to do some things. Just like it took Abraham to leave the land of Ur and go where God would show him. And so God fulfilled that promise. It took several generations for God to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham. And it hasn't fully been realized yet. It will be one day when this world ends and Jesus Christ comes back again. But because Abraham knew what God's grace was, and he believed God, he followed God. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road, folks. If you say that you're going to be a part of the family of God and that you believe God, then you darn tootin' better act like it. 
and not just on Sunday. I'm thankful all of you were here today. I'm glad you were here. Now, I'm going to tell you, coming to church does not make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. It's your faith. But then your faith and your belief drove you to be here. But if your faith that drove you to be here today doesn't also cause you to put on Christ tomorrow morning when you go to work or when you go to the hair shop or you go to the ball game or you go wherever you're going to go this week, then it really didn't drive you here either. Because we are called to be a part of God's family even when it's inconvenient, even when we don't particularly want to, but because of God's grace and the grace that was extended to us, we follow God and anywhere he says go, we go. I, I bet, because Jesus is also human, I, I don't know how it went in eternity up there in heaven, I can only imagine, though, from a human perspective, Jesus wasn't all that thrilled about coming to earth. He certainly wasn't thrilled about being born in a barn, which really was a cave, around a bunch of stinky animals. And yet, he knew all that. And yet, he saw me and he saw you. And he saw a host of billions and billions of other people and he knew that if he didn't come, there'd be no hope for any of us. And he came. He lived a perfect and sinless life and then laid that life down. And so Paul tells us here in Galatians, listen, do not think that you just make this one-time moment of faith and belief and then that settles it, bing, bam, boom, for all eternity. Now, if you're going to be part of the family of God, it's a daily choice. You are saved by faith, but you are also kept by faith. But if you're being kept by faith, you behave differently. You follow after God, and you do the things that God tells you to do. And you understand that grace makes us a part of a family. And it's a big family. And it's a wide family. It's a family where Republicans and Democrats and independents and liberals and conservatives and rich and poor and English-speaking and non-English-speaking people can get along and live together in harmony. And I tell you, if the turmoil that's going on in our world teaches anything, it's that peace cannot come through anything but Jesus Christ. It certainly can't come by money. Our world has more prosperity than it's ever had. And come at church, there's more churches today than there's ever been. There's tons and tons of laws on the books. Can I tell you that the laws are there for criminals? Well, we talked about Sunday school this morning. And like Paul's talking about the law, but Listen, the only thing the law can do is show you you can't keep it. Locks 
they keep honest people honest. Because if a crook wants to break into that lot bad enough, he'll break into it. The only thing that will change our world is the grace of God. The presence of Jesus Christ coming into this dark world. And one day Jesus will come back and this world will fade away and it will be light. In fact, in the new creation, the Bible says, the book of Revelation says there's no need for the sun because Jesus will be there and he'll give off the light. But we're not living in that world yet. There's a lot of darkness in this world. But you know what? The light of the world, Jesus, sends me and he sends you as lights and instruments of grace into this dark world to light up this dark world. May God help us to be a part of the family of God. I hope you realize that because of grace, you are part of the family of God, whether you want to be or not. Maybe you didn't do a real good family background history and make sure that before you joined God's family, there weren't any... Well, you're stuck now. No refunds or exchanges. Thankfully, grace chooses us. And then we make the deadly choice to receive that. But if we've received it, then God also calls us to extend it to others. Do you believe grace changes you? And grace changes that? I absolutely believe that. And I also believe that's the way this world changes, is just by extending grace and the love of God. But politics and money and anything else is not going to fix it. But I do believe Jesus can fix it. If we'll let him. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. Oh, Lord, thank you for grace. Thank you that though sometimes we wander, sometimes we don't behave like we're part of your family, you receive us anyway. You extend grace to us when it's undeserved. You issue pardon when we turn to you. Lord, my prayer is if there's one here today that's never trusted in you, they've never received that new life, they're, they're not in the family yet. Lord, today they've heard the way to become part of the family. Would you help them take that step to receive the gift of grace? To trade their sin debt for grace and life. And Lord, maybe you've spoken to our hearts that are saved and your children today and reminded us of how important it is to extend grace to one another and to this world. For this world needs grace more than it's ever needed it before. Lord, help us to, to show this world that the answer really is Jesus and nothing else. Help us, we pray, to be a light in this dark place. Help us to be instruments of grace. Help us to follow after you and do the things that you did. To love and live like you loved and lived. Forgive us when we fail to do that. 
Help us be children of grace. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this uh, hymn. And all, or you need to come and pray this morning. We invite you to do that this morning.